0: Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday, March the 4th, brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location and access things you're blocked from. So if you're a UK expat and want to access BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, a Liberty Shield VPN will get you where you want to be while also keeping your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code ROUTER50 to get your router half price. That's ROUTER50 to get 50% off your Liberty Shield router only at libertyshield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. And use the codes EPL10 and RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. Spring is here. The sun is shining. This morning, I threw open the windows and greeted spring and thought, this is great. Winter's over. Weather's picked up. What happens when you live in rural Ireland and the weather picks up? You get ignorant farmers going out and spreading slurry all over fields. And you have to close all the windows or you get poisoned with the smell of it. So that's how my day is going. I hope yours is going better. Uh, Everybody had a good day connected to Everton yesterday. Everton beat Boreham Wood 2-0 in the FA Cup. It was a very one-sided, dominated game. Everton scored two goals through Solomon Rondon. Boreham Wood had one shot in the entire 90 minutes. They had 20% possession. They had zero shots on target. They had no corners. They were not very good. They were completely outclassed. That's what you expect when a Premier League team plays a team from the fifth or sixth tier of English football. Boreham would have done themselves proud, though, and this was a great run in the FA Cup for them. They go home with their heads held high and Everton move on into the next round of the FA Cup. And the quarterfinal draws have thrown up some really interesting ties. Crystal Palace will host Everton. Middlesbrough, having beaten Manchester United and Spurs, will host Chelsea. Southampton will host Manchester City. And Monday's game between Nottingham Forest and Huddersfield will determine the host for Liverpool. It is very much being set up to have the big three In the semi-finals, you would fancy Liverpool, you would fancy Chelsea and you would fancy Manchester City to advance. But you cannot overlook any of the teams they have to play. Borough have proven themselves. They've beaten quality Premier League opposition in the last two rounds. Southampton are in good form. They've caused City trouble this season. They've gotten two draws with them. They'll have the advantage of the game being played at St. Mary's in front of a packed crowd. And City haven't looked great of late. And then Palace Everton is the one that's fairly well balanced. Palace should be favourites for that one. They're the better team. They're in better form. They've had a much better season. But in the Cup, strange things can happen. And maybe Everton pull off the upset there. I think the FA would very much like to see a Liverpool-Everton semi-final and a City-Chelsea semi-final. But we'll wait and see what happens. Those games will be played the weekend of the 19th of March. I think they're trying to set them up so there's one on the Friday, one on the Saturday, one on the Sunday, and one on the Monday. But we'll wait and see how they officially work out with the schedule. Plenty of news. Uh, David Goodwillie, who you'll remember, was signed by Wraith Rovers There were mass protests by the Wraith fans. His contract was terminated. He was sent back on loan to Clyde, where he'd been before. And now Clyde are terminating the loan deal after a furious reaction to the re-signing of the former Scotland striker. Of course, the 22-year-old was judged in a civil court in 2017 to be a rapist and you can't have him on your team. The entire playing squad and general manager of Clyde's women's team had quit in protest. North Lanarkshire Council who owned their ground threatened to end the lease agreement if he entered the stadium. It is the right decision to terminate this loan This man does not deserve a career and should be banished. If he wants to play football, let him go play football somewhere else. But he is not welcome anywhere, really. I mean, let him go play in front of nobody in a car park or something. But nobody should be paying this man to play football, not after what he did. Um, And fair play to the Clyde women's team for standing up as one and quitting. If rates women's team, obviously we saw their captain and a couple of others did the same. But it's a bit shameful that it takes that type of action to make the people running the men's team open their eyes and realise what a bad decision it is. Now, obviously, he'd been there before, and there wasn't this reaction the first time. There was annoyance and there was a little bit of anger when he was signed, but people settled down. Not so anymore. Not so anymore. David Goodwillie is toxic and every club should wish him uh, a lifetime of loneliness, really. Um, Amanda Staveley, a woman who I don't think understands the meaning of irony, has said that it's unfair that Roman Abramovich has to sell Chelsea. She said she doesn't think it's per- particularly fair that... He's been forced to give up his club. We're always going to have geopolitical issues. I'm really sad that someone is going to have a football club taken away because of a relationship he may have with someone. I don't think that's particularly fair, to be honest, but we all have to hold all of our relationships to account. Well, she has a very close relationship with the Saudi royal family. And probably doesn't want to be facing questions regarding her relationship with young MBS and the atrocities that he has committed. I did quite like that in Eddie Howe's press conference, he was asked about it, said he would only answer questions on Newcastle. And then when asked about the Saudi bombing of Yemen, said he would only answer football questions. Uh, which I thought was quite, it was quite brave of the journalist to ask the question. Uh, Stavely reiterated in her statement that the Saudi Public Investment Fund is separate from the Saudi state, uh, except that they're not because the Saudi Public Investment Fund is run by Mohammed bin Salman, uh, or Salman, and um, he is, of course, the... Man most often accused of human rights abuses, uh, the murder of a journalist, and many other atrocities. So Stavely can say whatever it is she wants. She is merely trying to deflect from her own dirty laundry. Uh, The Premier League... Chinese rights holders have told the Premier League They will not broadcast English top-flight games this weekend because of the league's planned shows of support for Ukraine. China is a close political ally of Russia, and while the Premier League have said it wholeheartedly rejects Russia's actions and will show solidarity with the Ukraine, the Chinese TV companies have decided they're going to take a different route. Well, that's very, very interesting, Uh, but you may still pay up for what you owe because um, you can't be back in Putin at this point. You just can't. Uh, Ukraine have also requested a postponement of their World Cup playoff semi-final against Scotland. Teams are due to meet at Hampden on the 24th of March, but all football in Ukraine has obviously been suspended following Russia's invasion of the country. The winners will play either Wales or Austria for a place at Qatar 2022 world governing body FIFA says they are working with UEFA and the Scottish Football Association to find an appropriate solution. Confirming the request, the spokesman said FIFA expresses its deepest solidarities to everyone affected by what's happening in Ukraine, a further update will be provided in due course. Scottish FA President Rod Pedri said, football is inconsequential amid co- uh, conflict in a message to his u- Ukrainian counterpart. Fair play. Fair play. It is hard to see where in the schedule those games can be fit. Maybe they just bin off the Nations League and push them to June. Uh, that would probably be the best arrangement for everybody and also because the Nations League is a load of nonsense um russia are to appeal against their ban which has been imposed by fifa and uefa the russian football union said it will go to the court of arbitration for sport to appeal against its ban from international competitions after the country's invasion of ukraine now obviously initially the decision was they wouldn't be allowed to play under the name russia they wouldn't be allowed to wear or to have the russian national anthem or display the russian flag. Uh, or have any fans there, and they would have to play on neutral venues. But then a second decision was made to banish them altogether. Um, They don't really have much grounds to put their foot down. They really don't. Um, You'd have to say it is unfortunate for the players involved. But at the same time, a country is invading others, and Belarus, who've also been, um, who've also been suspended by FIFA and UEFA, but nobody cares about them because they're awful. And um, they've also obviously launched a military invasion of Ukraine, and uh, their president himself is another absolute lunatic, who really, under no circumstances, should be allowed to hold a public office. Lukashenko is a scumbag and a dictator. So, you know, there's that. Uh, Moving on. Mark Lawrenson has done his Premier League predictions. I will do mine after the break with Young Drinkle. Laurel has predicted Leicester to beat Leeds, Villa to beat Southampton, Chelsea to beat Burnley, Newcastle to beat Brighton, Norwich Brentford to be a draw. Wolves to beat Palace, Liverpool to beat West Ham, Arsenal to beat Watford, City to beat United, and Tottenham to beat Everton. They are interested and They're probably quite close to what mine are going to be. Uh, we'll do the gossip and we'll head for break. Manchester City have received a boost in their pursuit of 24-year-old Argentine striker Lautaro Martinez, with the Italian champions reportedly lining up Marcus Turam as his potential replacement. This is some nonsense. Also nonsense is City's attempts to claim that they are the club in England that receives the most commercial revenue. They're not even trying to hide their flagrant cheating anymore. They're just openly doing it. Rules be damned. Manchester City attempting to claim that they are bringing in more money commercially than Manchester United and Liverpool is absolutely embarrassing like you're not a bigger club than either you're not a bigger club than Arsenal you're not a bigger club than Chelsea at best Man City are the fifth biggest club in England and I genuinely feel like if you look historically you look at fan base there's a real argument made that both Tottenham and Aston Villa are bigger clubs as well Um, so you know if you weren't Attempting to boost things so blatantly. And also remember, they don't break up their commercial revenue when they declare it on their books. Their commercial deals with Etihad, the figure you see, that's for all of City Football Group, not just Manchester City. It is financial doping at its very best. Uh, Roman Abramovich has already received several bids in the region of 3 billion. I have doubts. Uh, I believe he will get bids, but I have doubt he has received several bids already. Barcelona are looking to make a move for Ruben Neves in the summer. Uh, I would doubt it, given they have Frankie de Jong, who plays as the six. They have Busquets, who plays as the six, And the only role in the team for Ruben Neves would be as a six. Uh, Barcelona are in advance talks to sign Frank Kessie Andreas Christensen and Cesar that we know that Aston Villa are interested in Frank Kessy. they could very well be they will not sign him uh, Chelsea have made a final bid to try and keep Andreas Christensen at Stamford Bridge with the Denmark international said to be on the verge of signing a pre-agreement to go to Barcelona in the summer, Villa would have to pay £21 million for PSG midfielder Jorginho Wijnaldum. I'm not sure Wijnaldum would like that move, but it would be a move that would make sense for Villa. Leeds hope that newly appointed manager Jesse Marsh's previous experience at Red Bull Salzburg will help them capture Brendan Aronson in the summer. Aronson is exceptionally talented, and uh, Leeds have tried to get him a couple of times. He's one that would make sense. He'd actually make even more sense under Jesse Marsh than he would under. Marcelo Bielsa, and it makes you wonder, has this move been in the pipeline for a while? Had Bielsa already told them he was going to leave in the summer? Because if you look at how Aronson plays, there wasn't a really natural fit in Bielsa's setup, but there is in Jesse Marsh's. Borussia Dortmund midfielder Jude Bellingham has chosen to stay at the club for at least another season. It makes sense for him to stay 2023. It makes sense for him and for the club because they'll sell Haaland this summer and then Bellingham can be their big sale in 2023. AC Milan have reportedly reached an agreement with Lille's 22-year-old Dutch defender, Sven Botman. Um, yeah, despite Amanda Staveley claiming he wanted to join Newcastle, I don't believe that to be the case. PSG sporting director Leonardo has quelled rumours Kylian Mbappe will leave for Real Madrid or Liverpool, saying the 23-year-old has been offered a lucrative new contract. He has, and he's turned it down repeatedly. Everton, Newcastle and Leeds have been named alongside Roma, Atalanta, Bologna, Bayer Leverkusen, Borussia Dortmund and Nice as clubs linked with C- uh, CF Montreals that used to be Montreal Impact, 23-year-old American midfielder Dorday Mihailovic. Um, That's a long list of clubs for an MLS player who's 23 i think. Yeah, 23. Now he's very highly regarded. He was at Chicago Fire for a few years and uh, was quite good there. Had a bad knee injury. Seems to be having or seems to have had a good season last year for Montreal. We'll see how he does in the upcoming season which begins fairly soon actually. When does When does the MLS season begin? Um, oh it's already begun They've lost, they have lost their first game to Orlando City I didn't think it was beginning for another week or two they play Philadelphia Union tomorrow shout out Joe Cousins um, right moving on Barcelona boss Xavi Hernandez flew to Germany to meet Erling Haaland great you've got no money uh, Chelsea striker Timo Werner is questioning his future at the club and the 25-year-old will speak to Thomas Tuchel. He probably doesn't have a future at the club. Um, Arsenal's chances of signing Nazar Mazzari from Ajax appear to be over after the 24-year-old said he has no, no desire to move to the Premier League if he does leave the Amsterdam club. When did he say that? He, I, I've read any, every interview the guy's said, given for the last two years, and I've never seen him say that. That's odd. I've never seen him say that. That he had no interest in move to the Premier League. Juventus have said to terminate Aaron Ramsey's contract in the summer after Rangers said they would not be looking to make his stay a permanent one at the end of the season. Um, He's not very good. He's overpaid and he's injury prone. And Juventus made a catastrophic, catastrophic decision in giving him that ridiculous, utterly ridiculous contract. He hasn't looked good for Rangers either. So, you know, Tells you where he is at the moment. Tottenham are targeting a move for RB Leipzig defender Jasko Gvardiol in the summer. He would make a load of sense for them. He came quite close to signing for Leeds before he went went to Leipzig. Then he spent some time on loan with, um, with Dinamo Zagreb, the club he'd come through at. He's broken into the Leipzig first team this year. He's been good and he's a natural fit in the back three as that left-sided one. So, yeah, that would make a a lot of sense for Spurs. They absolutely need an upgrade on Ben Davies. Uh, Move to Arsenal is on the cards for Noah Lang. He's a good player. Uh, I don't know if he's Arsenal level, but then as a squad player, he'd be absolutely fine because he's not going to get a start there because of the talent they have in the three behind the striker. So as a squad player, Noah Lang would make a lot of sense at the right price. Tottenham are reportedly favourites to sign Jed Spence, who has impressed on a loan spell at Nottingham Forest. Jed Spence is really good, and a lot of clubs will be in for him this summer. Arsenal's hopes of signing Ollie Watkins received a huge boost after the Midland club is said to be willing to listen to offers because Steven Gerrard is not sure he's the quality of striker he needs. Now, it's Football Insider, which means it's garbage, but if he's not good enough for Aston Villa, that doesn't really mean he's good enough for a vastly superior team in Arsenal and Arsenal are vastly superior to Aston Villa. Uh, That is basically it for the news today. Uh, Some interesting pieces there on the BBC website though, a piece about Yuri Vernadub, the Sheriff Tiraspol manager who has left his job to go back to the Ukraine and take up arms against the Russian invasion. Do give that one a read. It's very, very good. Um, there's a piece there about the Super League and how it's a nonsense idea, written most likely by somebody that hasn't... Oh, Simon Stone. Yes, So somebody that hasn't read what the Super League would entail. However, nothing came out about the Super League yesterday, which we were told it was going to. And my guess is that nothing going to come out anytime soon. What we were reminded of, though, is that in the midst of the Super League discussion last year, the new plan for the Champions League was very quietly snuck out, and it is horrendous. 36 teams in one table with each team playing 10 games, games that are decided by some sort of algorithm. The top eight would qualify automatically. For the last 16, teams ranked 9 to 24 would have a playoff, a two-leg playoff. So 9 versus 24, 10 versus 23, so on and so forth. And then those teams would go on to play the teams who had automatically qualified. So you'd get a last 16, a last 8, a last 4, and a final. What that does mean of course, is that there would be four extra games. No, excuse me, six extra games for each team in the Champions League. And how they plan to fit that in, I have no idea. It would likely in England mean that the Champions League clubs don't play in the League Cup, uh, which is, you know, it is what it is. If it happens, it happens. And maybe maybe that's the workaround, but I I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Anyway, we'll take a break when we come back, I have Guy Drinkle to have a chat about the weekend's games and predict them to all be wrong. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. I am joined by the one and the only, Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir?
1: I am excellent, Dave. How are you?
0: Well, now that the smell of slurry has left my house, I'm quite good.
1: Oh, we had that yesterday. Farmers around me as well. It was beautiful. Mm. Lovely, lovely, lovely people. They
0: absolutely delighted with themselves. It rained for a month and now the sun's out. The ground is nice and fertile, so they're going to just spread crap everywhere. Literally crap everywhere. Right, uh, we have 10 games in the Premier League this weekend. And actually, this is one of the better Premier League weekends that we've had in a while. So uh, let's get into it. Let's run through these as quick as we can and get all the predictions massively wrong.
1: Yeah, I did today. You were show as well. So we'll be doubly wrong this week. Um, so first up, we have Leicester against Leeds, which it's almost going into this game with... Well, question marks about both teams because Leicester obviously won midweek against Burnley um, and Vardy came back and made a a big impact. Whereas Leeds, I I don't know a lot about Jesse Marsh, to be honest. I've only seen him uh, for Salzburg against Liverpool as manager. But uh, how much of an impact can he make in a week and a bit considering the style of play Bielsa played is unlike anyone else in the world, really?
0: That's the thing. It is a big change stylistically. Now, they're hopeful hopeful that Patrick Bamford could make the bench for this one. Diego Llorente is a doubt though. It looks like Calvin Phillips and Liam Cooper will be another week at least. Phillips obviously is the big blow there. And Leo Hield is also out, but Leicester have a lot of injuries themselves. No Castanier, no Evans, no Justin Uh, Ricardo Pereira is a doubt no Fafana, no Bertram so again it will be the patch together defence Leeds will be hoping for the new manager bounce here but Leicester will be hoping that at home, coming off a good win over Burnley they can carry that on you look at the form table and it's not pretty for either but Leicester at least won their last game whereas Leeds have lost four in a row I think you have to go with Leicester at home to get the win. They are a better team. They've got better players. They're not missing as many key players in in the fact that, you know, Phillips and Bamford are two of the three most important players at Leeds. Phillips is the most important player at Leeds. So I will go with a Leicester City home win by two goals to nil.
1: And to be fair, that might even... It sounds stupid losing 2-0, but if they're competitive, Mm. they even seem as a promising sign for Leeds if they just don't get battered.
0: The most important thing for Leeds is to not get hammered. That's the only thing that really matters here. Just do not get walloped because you've conceded 60 goals this season in only 26 games. And if you're conceding over two goals a game, that is appalling. You've got them... And you've got Norwich conceding over two goals a game in this league. That is unacceptable. And you've really got to sort that out quickly. Now, whether it means they play a back five or something, I don't know. But the most important thing for Leeds here is not to get walloped. You've got to start being harder to beat before you can start winning games. So if they can be competitive keep the scoreline down. Even if they lose, it would at least be them moving in the right direction. And I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that Jesse Marsh can start to turn things around because, you know, he he is a good manager. He's someone that I was very high on at, at Salzburg. It didn't go well from at Leipzig, but I don't think that was his fault at all. You look at at Leipzig this season and the kind of the turnover that they had in the squad they lost Canate to Liverpool. They lost Upamecano Meccano to um, Bayern Munich. They lost... Hannes Wolf was a squad player. He'd been on loan anyway. But they also lost Sabitzer, who was their captain. And they brought in a lot of new players. You know, They brought in Andre Silva. He didn't hit the ground running. It hasn't gone well for him. They brought in Ilex Mariba from Barcelona. Very highly touted. He's now gone back on loan to Valencia because it hadn't gone all that well for him. They brought in Caden Clark, a very young player, one who's gone on loan to New York Red Bulls for experience. They brought Gvardi all back off alone and they brought in Mohamed Simikin from Strasbourg, another young, very young defender. So you're putting two very young centre-backs into the mix to replace your two best centre-backs, Anupamakano and Kanate. And then they signed Benjamin Henricks on a permanent deal but it hasn't really worked for him this season either. He hasn't been the player they were hoping for him to be. So it is just a lot to sort of work your way through in one go. And he never quite found the balance in the team. You've also got a manager in Nagelsmann who'd been there and instilled a lot of weird tactical intricacies into his system that Jesse Marsh had to sort of undo. Now, the problem is he's also now walking in to take over from Bielsa, and he's going to have to undo a lot of things here. But with Bielsa, it is more of a system. With Nagelsmann, it was more habits that he'd instilled that Jesse Marsh needed to try and break. So we'll see how it goes. The hope will be that he can get a good reaction out of the players fairly quickly. It's a proud group of players. It's an experienced group of players. And hopefully they'll come together now and just really start to dog it out for the rest of the season and try and pick up the points they need to stay in the division. They've got they've got the games to keep themselves in the division. There's enough games there that they can win to stay in the division. like They can beat Watford away. There's absolutely no doubt they can beat Watford away. They should beat Norwich at home and they get Brentford on the last day of the season. That's an away game, but it's still a game they can win. Win those three, you're going to be safe. Win two of them and pick up a draw here or there. Like They get Villa at home. They get Southampton at home. They could be games they can pick up a point in. Do that, you'll have enough. You'll stay up. If they can get themselves to 32, 33 points, they'll probably be okay because there's enough bad teams around them that are really struggling as well that a couple of wins here and there should keep them up.
1: Yeah, you'd think so. you definitely think so, but maybe there's another team around Leeds that we can talk about that has a much more important game later on, but we'll get to them. Uh, Next up, though, we have Villa against Southampton. Now, Villa... Obviously beat Brighton uh, at the weekend, but not been good recently, whereas Southampton, probably one of the form teams in the league.
0: Very much so. Very much so. Southampton have been really good of late, and they've been not just winning games, but they've been picking up good points in games that you wouldn't necessarily have fancied them in. So, you know, they got that point with against City. They got a point against United. They've been difficult to beat. They've been getting goals. It's a well-balanced team now that, that Ralph Hassenhutler is working with. They do have injuries. So Nathan Teller, Alex McCarthy, and Lianko are all out. Uh, El is a doubt. Walker Peters is a doubt. Shane Long is a doubt. And Salisu is a doubt. And Salisu would be a massive blow for them if he was to miss out. Villa, mm-hmm. it's just Marvellous Nakamba and Bertrand Traore. But like you said, they haven't been playing well you know you look say over the last 5 games southampton are third in the form table behind only liverpool and newcastle whereas aston villa very much middle of the pack two wins two defeats and a draw they haven't been great and that that run has come in games where they really should have been picking up points you know they lost to newcastle they got that Bad draw with Leeds. They lost to Watford. They did beat Everton, but everybody beats Everton. You know? Uh, and then obviously they beat Brighton as well, which was a good result for them. But this is a tough test. And it'll be interesting to see, because Gerrard wants to play pressing football, but doesn't necessarily have the defensive stability for it to work. That was a big problem for Ralph Ranić for a long time. He wanted to play a pressing style, a really aggressive front-footed style. But it didn't, it didn't work <laughs> until Salisu came into the team. And when he put Salisu with Bednarak, that started to work really well. So, Hassan Hilton's been able to turn it round, and we've seen the results across this season now. You know, they sit in the top half. Villa could get themselves into the top half still, but they're five points behind Saints. With a game in hand, admittedly, but they don't look like they're going to catch them at all. Um, I'm going to go for the draw in this game because I think Saints can match them in midfield. Mm -hmm. They'll have a tough enough time dealing with Watkins and Coutinho and the movement that comes with those two, plus Buendia, plus you get Ramsey breaking from midfield. But I also think Southampton will have the attacking talent to cause Villa a lot of problems, especially with Armando Broglie in the form that he's in. He is playing so well at the minute. Uh, I'll go for a score draw, 1-1.
1: Yeah, I think that might depend on who's actually fit as well, because if Salah's who's fit, it might be a big difference, maker there. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Maybe a similar story with the next game, and that's Burnley against Chelsea, where Chelsea obviously lost the League Cup final, then had a really tight game with Luton. It's not been great for Chelsea, even when they were, I think, was it January they struggled or February, but it, they've not really been the same team since the injuries piled up and the injuries are still there. I think some of them are due back, but I think Christiansen's out, uh, Aspi's out, I think Ziyech and Schalber are back, so Tiago Thiago Silva, but... It's a lot of minutes in, in the centre back's legs, especially because we did see Loftus cheek at centre back in the cup game, which is a strange one for me.
0: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I mean, Rudiger's the only one that hasn't had any sort of trouble this season. I, I Silvas had a couple of niggles and a couple of knocks. Uh Chalabas had a couple of problems. Christensen's obviously been in and out with the this Achilles issue that he has. they trying to it's it's more Something they're trying to manage rather than an actual injury. They're trying to prevent an injury, uh, what could be a catastrophic injury. (sighs) Chelsea are a very strange team. And you look at the pieces on paper, and it makes a lot of sense what the attack could be. Especially with the midfield options they have. And the defence, you can see what it is. We we see it all the time, especially with the midfield. The midfield works really well with everything, but the defence and the attack don't work together. And what I mean by that is Chelsea play a back three. And the biggest reason they play a back three is because their centre-backs aren't good enough to play consistently in a back four. Silva's too slow. Rudiger's too unpredictable. Christensen can do it. Chalab is a bit too small, and Aspie's too small to play in the back for. So is Malang Sar. With, with Silva and the limitations in his game now, and he's still good, he's just nowhere near the player he was, you have to play a deep line. And to play a deep line, unless you want your midfield and attack miles apart, you've got to bring everybody backwards and try and play as a counter-attacking team. The issue for Chelsea is their attackers are better set up to play as a front foot possession heavy team. So it's a little bit unfortunate. The squad wasn't put together by Tuchel. It was put together by Conte, by Sari, by the PE teacher. And then Tuchel took it over and tried to make do what he could. Thomas Tuchel doesn't want to be playing a back 3. He doesn't want to be playing a deep line. He wants to play a back 4. He wants to go and defend the halfway line. He wants to be aggressive. He wants to win the ball high up. He and he, he wants then
1: Klopp for instance, is not he? Oh well, that's what he was at Dortmund.
0: That's what that's Tuchel's adaptable, but yes, his his ideal style of play is very attack minded. Mm-hmm. He would rather win games 4-2 than 1-0. Like he'd much rather be at the great entertainers that's what he was with Dortmund now it had its flaws because again the centre-backs there weren't at the level he wanted them to be but he doesn't want to be this and he's getting a lot of undue stick and people calling him Tuchelban and stuff because you know the football can be a bit offensive at times but that's what he has to do because of what he's been given to work with and unfortunately for him and I don't believe he had any say in these in these matters. Two centre-backs who would be starting for him now in Fakayo Tamore and Mark Wehi were sold. Levi Caldwell, who could be a really good option for them, he was loaned out. And he's having to work with less than optimum options. Now, defensively, they've still been very good this season. But that's that's system based. That's not individuals, that's system based. And the reason that the attack is struggling is because so much emphasis is, is put on not conceding goals. And he hasn't been able to link it all together yet. But you look at like Lukaku, Havertz, Pulisic, Werner, Hudson Adoy, Zayic. Uh, Mason Mount Mason Mount needs to play a bit deeper I will say that he needs to play more in midfield Mason Mount is not a final third player he's a midfield third player and I think Tuchel would be playing a 4-3-3 if he he had his way or something in that maybe a diamond midfield with Mount Kovacic or Kante as the two number eights I think he'd have a different sitting midfielder I think he'd have Chouameni rather than somebody like Uh, Jorginho I think he'd have Havertz behind the front two of Lukaku and Werner I think if he could pick his team ideally that's what he would do and then in defence he'd have James and Chilwell uh, Alonso obviously with Chilwell injured and he'd have different centre backs he'd have Jules Koundé plus one more he wouldn't have Silva he had to alter his team drastically at PSG to make up for Silva as well, playing Marquinhos in holding midfield, playing Carrera right back, having to put up with Kimbembe's injury issues or injury issues and errors purely because he was so quick that he could cover for Silva, he doesn't want to play that way anymore. He wants to be playing a different style of football than what we're getting to see and. There's times it does come out when they play bad teams and they they do get a sustained period of pressure. You'll see that defensive line start to creep up and you'll see that midfield really start to churn through possession. You'll see the movement of the attack start to come into flow. But oftentimes it, it just gets really, really clogged. And One of the teams it's likely to get clogged against is this weekend's opposition. Burnley are always a pain in the backside to play against. Now, Eric Peters is out. Goodmanson is out, but they're hopeful to have Vidra back. Dale Stevens, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Ben Mee is a big one, though. He obviously came off in the Villa game, no, the Leicester game. Collins came on and Collins did well, but Mee is important to them as their captain and their organizer. you'd fancy Chelsea to win this game, just given the talent disparity between the two sides, you know. Burnley have turned things around quite well recently, and you know they got got themselves a couple of wins, got themselves a few draws. Things were going better, but then obviously the defeat to Leicester was disappointing. Chelsea's form hasn't been spectacular, but it hasn't been bad, and they're winning games. It's just that they're not scoring enough goals uh, along the way. You know, you look at Liverpool have scored sixty, sorry seventy. City have scored 64. Chelsea have only scored 49. And Chelsea have the same level of attacking talent. It's just that it hasn't it hasn't been able to fully come into flow for them yet. I'll go Chelsea 2-0 in this one. I think it could be very similar to the Leicester game, where it's a bit drab and a bit boring and not a lot happens, and it's a bit of a slog to break Burnley down, and then they score, and Burnley have to try and come and get a result, and Chelsea catch them on the counter. I'll go 2-0 to Chelsea.
1: Yeah, I think it might be a bit of an ugly game, that one. Um, possibly this one as well, Newcastle against Brighton. I think Brighton had maybe on the beach early this season because, obviously, last couple of seasons it been a bit tighter, but they've basically been safe for a while now. Um maybe a couple more points and they'll be definitely safe and Newcastle again as, as you mentioned I think second form team behind Liverpool in, in the league Um, yeah you, that, Newcastle just have to be the favourites for this surely
0: yeah I, I think so I do think so now especially with the home advantage Brighton having to go all the way up the country to face Toon now Toon have some injury issues and that's a little bit of a concern for them uh, Matt Ritchie's a major doubt, St. Maximum's a doubt, Trippier's out, Wilson is out, and obviously Hayden and Lewis were left out of the squad. But, you know, these injuries do start to catch up a little bit, and they don't exactly have tremendous depth. For Brighton, Adam Webster's still out, and that's, that's a big blow. They're they're missing him massively. Uh, Enoch Mwepu they're hoping to have back soon, but he won't be back for this one. Sarmiento is back in training, but he's you know recovering from surgery. And Adam Lalana, they think will be back, so you know another blow there. Um, Tune have won four and drawn one of their last five. Brighton have lost three in a row. As you said, Brighton look like they've gone on their holidays a little bit early. They were so lax against Villa; they should have won the game, but they just, they just. Collapse at such bad times. I'm going to go for the tune win. I think it's the only, the only result here is is a a two one Newcastle win. And it, it, the, the crazy thing is, having looked doomed, win this one. If Villa or Leicester or Palace lose, you're only two points behind them, mm. and you wouldn't have thought that six weeks ago. You really wouldn't have because they they just looked hopeless. Now, they're still not good defensively, but they have improved, obviously, in recent weeks. They need Chris Wood to get going a little bit because Mm -hmm. he still hasn't scored. I think he's only had two shots on target, maybe, since joining. So they could do it a bit more from him, especially while Wilson is out. But yeah, I'll go go 2-1 Newcastle. I don't think it's going to be a particularly good game.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's still strange to me. Just like when scrolling through league tables, that Newcastle are fourteenth. All of a sudden, it's just very strange. But yeah, this should be fine now. But I mean, Shar and Dan Byrne are, are, are probably better than Lascelles and whoever was next to him. Um, but yeah, that's Brighton. If it's not Webster and Dunk, I just don't trust the defense anymore. And Bassoe that's it. I mean,
0: yeah. Veltman has has really fallen off this season. Duffy had that good run good start, at the yeah. start of the season and then he got exposed and he's been back to just being the Shane Duffy we thought he was. Um, if it's so not might, Webster, don't they're in trouble?
1: They might have to ring back up. Is it Ostergaard, the, the young lad who's I think it, Coventry? Was he? I'm not sure where he is. I think
0: left. he's gone somewhere else now. Hang on, Leo Ostergaard. I think they loaned him to an Italian club, Did they? yeah, Genoa. He went on loan to Genoa in January. He was on loan at Coventry last year, stoked the first half of this season. Not really sure why he was recalled. Mm. Maybe they planned to play him and then they made a decision not to. But Maybe yeah, the floor Burn
1: was staying or something. Because that did that, that apparently fell through a couple of times, didn't it?
0: It did. It did. Because well, he be. had a toe issue. Yeah. Here's a good one, though. Uh, he came <laughs> on as a substitute in a 0-0 draw at Roma. And then was then shown a red card in the 60th, straight red card. I think he was in the pitch for eight minutes. And was shown a straight red card. Genoa, uh, not that many people will care, but Genoa are not having a good season in Serie A. They currently sit 19th. They've won one game all season. 14 draws. They're the Burnley of uh, Serie A. They're eight points from safety. Genoa are staring at relegation into Serie B, which is um, is not ideal, not ideal for uh, a club as as big as them and with the the sort of the pride that they have. Last year they finished eleventh; they've just fallen off completely this season. They're on about their fourth fourth manager. Uh, yeah, but then their fourth manager, Shavchenko? was that Callier. Shevchenko was there. I think he managed uh, (laughs) three months, two months. Two months he was in charge. Yeah. Yeah. They've drawn their last five in a row. So, you know, it it is improving. The right
1: Hodgson way to safety. I get it. The
0: Hodgie Hodgie approach. Mm. Um, They haven't won a game since the 12th of September in the league. They beat Cagliari 3-2 away. And have not won since.
1: I mean, if they stay up, Roy Hodgson is moving to Italy.
0: Yes, he is going them. to run it back one last time. Yeah. I wouldn't mind there's some decent players there as well. They really shouldn't be in this situation, but it is what it is. Um, anyway, let's move on.
1: Well, back to the Premier League. We will get Genoa updates throughout the season, <laughs> see if they actually win a game. Um now, this is the game I mentioned earlier that's possibly the most important. Depends on how you feel about the Manchester derby. But Norwich against Brentford, I think Norwich, I think most people will tip them, and probably rightfully so, to probably be 20th in, at the end of the season. But if they beat Brentford, Brentford are slipping really dangerously down, down the league. Mm. I, I think we've all mentioned Everton and... And Leeds and, and stuff like that, but Brentford, it's just kind of been they started so well, but it's basically been cutting the cable in a lift. It, it's just it has, a, yeah.
0: Well. One point from their last five games, they would be bottom of the form table if it wasn't for Leeds. Um, it has not been good at all for many, many months. Norwich, obviously, have been. A lot better recently. They they had that little mini revival. They've lost their last three in the league, but that happens, especially when you play Liverpool and Manchester City as part of that. Uh going into this game, Max Aarons and Brandon Williams should both be fine. Ozan Kabak has a shoulder injury, but I mean he keeps playing Grand Hanley anyway. So I mean it doesn't really matter. Oma Bamadeli, it looks like he's going to be out for a little while and Adam Day is out for the season. That was a huge blow because he'd really started to find form. Brentford, uh, De Silva is, is suspended after that stupid red card last week. Uh, Tariq Fosu is injured, and Julian Janver is injured as well. They won't really be missing either because neither would start. <sighs> Brentford need this win. Like, Brentford desperately need this win.
1: It's a lot of pressure on... Christian Eriksen for me as well.
0: It is. It really is. And it's a lot of pressure on him. It's a lot of pressure on Ivan Toney to carry the burden up front. They really need the defence to improve because they've been giving up bad goals. And that's that's never going to, to end well. But you start to look at, you know, they beat Villa on the 2nd of January. In the league, then they lost 4 1 to Southampton, lost 3 0 to Liverpool, lost 3 1 to United, lost 2 1 to Brentford, to Wolves, rather, lost to City. They did get the draw against Palace, which was a good result, but it was at home and you would have expected them to maybe get the win there. They lost to Arsenal and didn't really put up much of a fight, and then they lost at home to Newcastle. That early red card changed that game so drastically, but They've got, it's it's just, it's a massive, massive eight days coming up for them. They play Norwich tomorrow, and then Burnley next weekend.
1: If they don't and get I'm sorry, you, from
0: that, you've got to take four points. You've got to take four points, or you are in major trouble. Because beyond that, you've got Watford away. Again, it's a game you could win, and you get leads on the last day. And if it comes down to it, Ooh. home advantage could be the telling point. but you've really, really got to start picking up points here. You've got to get four points from these next two games. Defeat against Norwich and we'll really have to start talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. whether Thomas Frank might have to go Mm -hmm. because the form has been so bad and he is stuck with the same group of players. Now, it's not all his fault. He doesn't have a Premier League squad. He's got... I mean, Raya is is okay. He Raya losing half the season was a big blow for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But he's all right. He's not great, but he's all right. Ayers good. Janssen's okay. Pinnock has started to get exposed quite frequently. Henry is good. The three across the middle: Norgard, Janelt, and Onyeka are are very good. But that right wing-back spot has been a big problem for them this season. Canos isn't a wing-back, he's a winger. And the other fellow that played there is, is at best a League One player. And then Tony just hasn't scored enough goals. Mm-hmm. And then Bomo has missed so many chances this season. And when you look be- behind that, I mean, eriksson they've signed, and he's he's obviously a very good player, but he hasn't played football in six months. And after that, it's all championship-caliber players. And when you're playing championship-caliber players in the Premier League on a regular basis, you are going to get relegated because there's a massive gulf in class between Championship and Premier League. And unfortunately for Brentford, if they go down this season, it will be of their own doing. It will be because they haven't put enough into that squad. So I'm going to go for a draw here. And to be to be frank, I don't fancy them to beat beat Burnley next weekend either.
1: No. But
0: I'll go draw here uh one-one. I think it'll be a decent enough game because both sides play decent enough football. But barring Ivan Tony suddenly catching fire, which he's capable of, I really do start to worry about Brentford because they've played the most games at the foot of the table. They've played one more than Leeds, three more than Everton, two more than Burnley, one more than both Watford and Norwich. And they're only five points clear of Watford, seven clear of Norwich. And if Norwich were to win here, all of a sudden that's four points and you're staring at a really tough run. Uh, I'll go 1-1, but if a team is to win it, I, I do fancy Norwich a bit more than I fancy Brentford.
1: Yeah, I probably feel the same. To be fair, it, it would be a worry for Brentford, as you say. Uh, moving on, then Wolves, Crystal Palace, one 0 or one one. What are you going with?
0: <laughs> it does. It does reek of a of a low scoring game. Now, when they played earlier in the season, it was actually quite an enjoyable game. Palace beat them comfortably. It was a bad a bad day for Wolves. But obviously Wolves have turned things around very well and they're 8th in the table. They have lost back-to-back games. They've lost 3 of 5. This is a bit of a wobble, but they're playing tougher teams. It's now 10 defeats. That's the most in the top half. They don't draw many games. They do tend to either win or lose. Hmm. I'll if back
1: you, them. You take a change though here, if I remember correctly.
0: <laughs> I, I think I'll back them to win this one though. They're only missing Nelson Semedo. Hmm. They've got Keanu Hoiver to come in, who we've had at Liverpool. He's a quality young player. Johnny's back
1: as a player there as so well. Who? Johnny.
0: Yeah, Johnny Otto. Yeah, Johnny Otto could step in for sure. Uh, he might actually be the one that does step in. Mm-hmm. Um, Palace, no Nathan Ferguson. Joel Ward not expected to play this weekend. They'll hopefully be back next weekend. So Palace will be close enough to full strength, but I'll still go for a Wolves win. And I do wonder if maybe if just maybe this is the game that Neto makes his first start in. I liked the fact that he dropped Jimenez for the last game because Jimenez has not been playing well. And I wouldn't be against seeing Trinco, Fabio Silva and Neto start, or even Trinco, Quang and Neto start as the front three in this one. Um, they've also got to get rayane Nuri just in the team every single week.
1: Yeah, that's strange for me, like. Uh Mark Hall's fine,
0: but but Mark Hall in a back five he should be the is a left-sided centre yeah. back, he's not a left wing back.
1: It's just strange because eight neury, like I remember him against Liverpool, he was amazing against Liverpool. Yeah.
0: But they everybody see... who's seen eight neury this season, and a lot of people have only seen him once or twice against their own team. They're like, That kid's amazing. But when you start to hear it from the vast majority of fans around the country, who, again, have only seen him once or twice, you start to realise most games he plays in yeah. really, really good. Um, he is, I, I tagged him as somebody Liverpool should have looked at a few years ago before they signed Simicus. Now, I, I like the, the deal they made, but yeah. if given the chance, I, I would I would take Ait Nuri for the long haul for what he can be in, you know, he's only 21, what he can be in three, four years. He'll be very special. Um, I'm going to go Wolves 1 0. Don't expect much in the way of excitement in this one. I think Wolves will look to grind out the win because their top half status uh, or, or their top eight status is just starting to come a little bit doubtful with the way Southampton are playing and the form Saints are in. And obviously, you know, I've got Saints picking up another point this weekend. If Wolves were to lose, that would be a four-point gap between them and Saints in better form might lean towards them. But I'll go with the Wolves win. I'll go with with, with 1-0 to the, to the Wolverhampton Wanderers.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a tight game either way. Uh, moving on to the late kickoff on the Saturday, and we have Liverpool against West Ham. I think this game might depend quite a bit on injuries because Liverpool have a few knocks in midfield and, and a couple up front. I mean, Bobby uh, is out. Uh, Matip's ill. Uh, Naby's a doubt. Or Naby Keita, I should say. Not, this isn't the Liverpool podcast. Uh, Naby Keita's a doubt. Thiago's obviously out. So there's a few injuries Liverpool because Liverpool are mm. out for two weeks of the season. Um, they, had, they
0: had everybody fit for one game. Yeah. They had everybody fit for one game. Only and either. now they have... Matte definitely out. He's obviously ill, yeah. and then four injuries. Uh, they're hopeful that Curtis and Nabikater could make the bench, mm-hmm. but I mean it doesn't it doesn't not lead well
1: for the midfield man.
0: No, you've got you've got the options are Milderson, which no one wants to see, uh, Elliot and Henderson, which would mean Henderson on the left, which again no one wants to see. Elliot and oxlade Chamberlain is probably the best option. Or Henderson and Oxlade Chamberlain, but Henderson's been awful as an eight this season. So none of that is, is particularly good. I don't want to see any of that against
1: So Su- presumably Suchek's okay. He'll just have a skirtle headband on. Um
0: I'm but he has them. been poor recently. He has been fairly poor recently. He looks yeah, exhausted. He He's not getting any rest.
1: It's Milner and Henderson.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. If it's Milderson, and <laughs> Suchek will eat them alive and Rice will just run away from them and they they'll never catch him. Um, but there are some injuries in this West Ham team. Sufal is out. Fredericks is out. Ogbonna is out. And Masawaka is out. Yarmolenko is out, but for different reasons. Yeah. Um, Mark Noble has a knock. Aaron Cresswell, they're hopeful he's back. And then Suchek should be fine. But he'll obviously most likely have some sort of Terry Butcher-style headband on. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Don't you want to see Noble v Milner for one last time?
0: I want to see Noble and Milner just kick each other just once. I just want yeah. to see them run into each other in the middle of the pitch and just see what happens. Uh, I was denied my my Milner versus Matt Ritchie collision when Liverpool played Newcastle. So I'm hopeful that Milner and Noble can just run into each other and just, just see what happens. Because like you're basically throwing two stones against each other. Um, the Hammers' performances have been worse than their results. Yeah, they've dropped a couple of bad games here and there. They drew it Leicester, drew it Newcastle. Their games they should be winning. They did beat Wolves last time out. It wasn't a brilliant performance, but a win is a win is a win. Um, they lost to Southampton in the week, obviously in the in the FA Cup. They played about as strong an eleven as they had available. They've got Sevilla coming up on Thursday in a huge game in the Europa League that you'd have to imagine they'll go full strength in. So I do wonder if maybe Antonio is left out for this one. If maybe Bowen plays up front and it's something like Benrama, Lanzini and Fornals behind behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he does, that plays right into Liverpool's hands. Um because Bowen hasn't been good when used up front this season, he's much better when he plays wide. Um, Liverpool, the most informed team in the league, they're coming off cup win, good win over Norwich in the FA Cup in the week at home. Even with the midfield options that, as weak as they are for this weekend, Fabinho is still there. That defense is still there, and Canate coming in, in my opinion. Improves the defense, and you know, Diaz is in form, Mane is looking decent, and Salah is due a big one. So, I'll go Liverpool 3 1.
1: Yeah, it should be well. Liverpool just have to win in, in the situation they are. Yeah. We'll get to uh, Man City in a minute. Uh, onto the Sunday game, Super Sunday, yada 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 on Sky. Uh, Watford against Arsenal. Now, my only doubt that Arsenal winning this game is I remember Roy Hodgson, maybe rightfully or wrongly, or just thinking it's Arsenal, frustrating Arsenal quite a bit when he was at Crystal Palace, obviously. But Watford can't defend like his Crystal Palace team. They probably no. have a better out ball. Oh, depends on how good Zaha you rate him. But it's just Arsenal. I mean, maybe a bit of rustiness as well because they didn't play at the weekend because we were in the League Cup final, obviously. But I, I just think Arsenal, they seem to be the one team who actually want top four. That might be a jinx for them, actually. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what was
0: Yeah, of the teams currently going for top four, Arsenal do seem to have the most desire to actually get it. Now, they've also got the most desperation to get it because if you've seen their accounts the last two years, they're hemorrhaging money. Mm. Um, but they're three po- sorry two points behind United with three games in hand. They're only five points behind Chelsea with a game in hand on them. Um, they're in a good position. I, I've said this to you before, though. I, I don't trust them. Now, I trust them to beat Watford because this is what they do. They beat the teams at the bottom of the table. So I would expect Arsenal to win this one. Now, no Tomiyasu means Cedric. So there's the weak points. And like you said, Watford have good out balls in Ishmael Asar and Emmanuel Dennis. So if one of them can get Isolated on Cedric. That's definitely an area that they could look to exploit. Uh Watford themselves and Kulu's still out. They desperately need to get him back. Uh Itibo is still out. But for Femenia, Femenia and Sar should be fine. I, I, Arsenal should win this game. Like they just should win this game. Now. At Vic Rich Road, it'll be a a little bit more difficult than it would be at the Emirates, but I'm still going to go for Arsenal to win. I'll go 2-1 because Arsenal don't score enough goals Mm. to really exploit a team like Watford who have the defensive issues they have. And I do think Arsenal can be a little bit vulnerable at the back. But I'll go for the Arsenal win. I'll go 2-1.
1: Yeah, I think that's the type of the team, Arsenal, and especially Watford are now. So, yeah, probably a tight game, but Arsenal should win. Now on to the, well, most glorious fixture of the of the weekend, Man City against Man United. Uh, I'm not sure if it is on premierinjuries.com yet, but I'm, I think it was in Cl- Klopp's Guardiola's press conference that Diaz is out for four to six weeks. Now, they still have John Stones and Laporte and Nathan Aki, but... Diaz and Laporte's been very good this season. I mean, obviously, repercussions in the title race as well, but in this mm. game specifically, Ronaldo, presumably, unless they're really going the old counter-attack and just play the fast lad system. Um, but Diaz being out of that, it is a difference maker, regardless if you rate him as high as Man City fans do.
0: Oh, it, it is a, a massive difference maker because the drop to John Stones is, I think, fairly substantial. Mm. Um He's out, Zach Steffen is injured, Cole Palmer is still injured, and obviously uh, Benjamin Mendy won't be playing football anytime soon. Um, Diaz being out for that length of time is a massive blow, potentially a season-altering blow for Man City. Now, if Stones comes in and performs at his very best level, then maybe they'll be okay. But John Stones has only ever really shown that level when there's no fans in the stands. He's not someone that does well under big pressure. Uh, United are just such a weird team. Like, they were absolutely horrific against Watford. Horrific. But they still should have scored a couple of goals. Now, they've got McTominay back, but Cavani is injured or just doesn't care enough to be there. And obviously, Mason Greenwood is suspended as well. Um, United have given City problems repeatedly in recent years, but a lot of that was down to Ollie setting them up to counterattack. And that's not really Ranić's way. Mm. So I do wonder if he will adapt his style of play specifically for City and, and to be trying,
1: fair, Rashford and stuff were a key part of the counter-attacking, and he's dropped off a cliff. He, yeah,
0: he's 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 been really poor this season, mm. really really poor. Look, City are a better team than Manchester United. That they just are. There's just no way to argue that City are a better team than Manchester United. But City aren't playing particularly well at the moment,
1: mm-hmm. and if
0: United can play aggressively, if they can be Strong at the back. Maybe they can cause City the same kind of problems that Everton caused them last weekend. It will depend heavily on Rashford being able to put in a good performance because they need that pace on the outlet. They've also got a Langa, maybe it'll be him. Yeah. But yeah, they, they one, they've got to first and foremost make themselves hard to break down. Secondly. Be aggressive and push that City midfield back. Not be afraid to leave a little in a tackle if need be. Knock City out of the rhythm. Not give up big opportunities. And that's massively on Harry Maguire, who's been really poor this season. I'd be inclined to start Varan and Lindelof personally. Mm. Um, but- McFred in midfield? McFred is probably the midfield. And McFried against this City midfield might be the answer because they've done well against them in the past. And if Fernandez drops back in with them, at least they can go 3v3 against them. Because
1: if, if they play Bruno and Pogba, it, it's not... Pogba um, can't play this
0: game. No, Pogba can't play this you
1: game. Drop in unless you're dropping
0: Bruno. Yeah, unless you're dropping Bruno, you can't play Pogba. You can't have both of them in the team. Um, Could you play Pogba
1: on... We've mentioned... The on the wing, on the wing, yeah. You could, but as an outball,
0: like he's got, he's got really good first touch. He's very strong. He's got great ball retention. I'd nearly be inclined, and this is going to sound mental. I'd nearly be inclined to play play Paul Pogba up front for this one. Play him as a false nine and use him as the outball. And just look. in between him and Ronaldo. <laughs> I no Ronaldo. I wouldn't play. Uh, I mean, just
1: comparing I mean, the
0: two up front. <laughs> yeah, well, let's thing. Like he, he, he'd run about the same as Ronaldo, but his hold-up play will be better. His passing is much better. He's far stronger at holding people off. Hmm. And I just wonder if you could use him as an outball, and then have say Fernandez, Rashford, and either Alanga or Sancho.
1: Hmm. breaking forward false nine, or was that was that Carrick?
0: Carrick played Bruno as a Valtz nine. I don't think it worked all that well. Mm. Um, you, you can't play Bruno and both of the others, Cristiano and mm-hmm. Pogba. You have to play Bruno plus one. And I would, I, it's, it sounds mental because he's never, to my knowledge, he's never played there before. But just as something that might give United a bit of a different issue, Pogba might be the answer. Just play him as a false nine, have him as an out ball, have him dropping back into midfield when you lose possession. I know it means you're playing with no one up front, but if you're you're playing against City, the two guys you want to have the ball are the two centre-backs. Not that they're not good passers, but they will hurt you a lot less than Canseo, than Walker, or than any of the midfielders. So if you can just Drop off those two when you've got when they've got the ball, and just block off passing lanes and make the make it so there's no space at all to play through. Even if you're putting a wall of six in front of your uh, back four, and then when you get the ball, Pogba ambles forward and you just look to hit him and break. Maybe that's the answer for this one. I'm gonna go for a City win. It's at the Etihad. They are the better team. They are top of the league for a reason. I'll go for City to win this game
1: 2-0. Yeah, I think City are obviously favourites. Uh, moving on to the Monday game then, the battle of who can screw up the most. Uh, Spurs mm. against Everton. But we, me and today we did discover Spurs have a pattern. They win one, then lose embarrassingly. Now, they obviously lost to Middlesbrough in the middle of the week, embarrassingly. So they're probably going to win.
0: I fancy Spurs to win this game. This, like you said, this is a game of which team can find the most interesting way to make a mess of it. Um, no Yerry Mina. Unlikely to have Gomes, Delph, Godfrey, Calvert-Lewin or Tom Davies. michael Alenko is a doubt with a dead leg. That's a lot of players when you don't have many good ones. For Spurs, no Oli Skip, no Tanganga. They're hopeful of having Benton Corbett and they're hopeful of having Lucas Mora. Neither team is in good form. Uh, Everton have won one of their last five in the Premier League. Spurs, uh, their form is just so confusing. It's really hard to know what to make of them. They've lost three of their last five. It's at the Tottenham Stadium. Kane has looked better. Of late. And it is a TV game, which is generally when Harry Kane will turn up. I'll go. Let me see. Let me just Everton. It's how much you can trust Spurs. It It is more about that. I mean, Spurs should win the game. Hmm. Everton in London this season. Let's see. I just feel
1: like Spurs need to attack. The defence is I was just going to swear there. The Spurs' defence is just bad either way. There's not much Conte can do there till he gets reinforced. I just feel like he needs to attack more.
0: Yeah. like No, you he, you are right. Get Bergman on
1: the team with Kulisevsky and, and the two good ones. I think, I think that's how you've got to go. Or more, if more is fit more. I, yeah, I'd be
0: inclined to play Bergvine as your right wing back.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, instead of Emerson or Doherty. Because they're, they're not any better than them defensively because they're not good defensively. Emerson's all right, but he's not good enough going forward. So, this season, on Everton's trips to London, they lost to Brentford, they lost to Crystal Palace, they drew with Chelsea. Uh, They're yet to play Arsenal away, by the looks of things.
1: Yeah, they won at the uh, Goodison, didn't they?
0: I'm going to say... Yeah, they beat them uh, 2-1. Everton have only won two games since September. They beat Arsenal and they beat a dreadful Leeds team. And I don't think they win this one. They haven't won away from home since they beat Brighton in August. It's the only away win of the season. They've only picked up four, five, six points away from home all season. That is an abomination. I will go for a Spurs win.
1: Mm.
0: I'll go 3-1 Spurs. I also think there's going to be a few of those Spurs players that want to prove a bit of a point to Frank Lampard after some of the comments he made about Spurs when he did Gary Neville's overlap. And there might just be a little bit of extra about them this weekend. So I'll go Spurs 3-1. Or
1: they can prove him right.
0: <laughs> or they can prove him right. Yeah, I mean, they think it could go it could go either way. It could go either way. But I'll, I'll go Spurs 3-1. I think Kane, Kane and Son will be too much for that. That's Everton backline. I'll go 3-1. And that's Alaska. And that is us for the week, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will see you on Monday. Take care of yourselves and enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.